Welcome to Life Source Church. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Today you're going to hear a message from Pastor Walt that we hope encourages you. How important is it to believe God? What do you think? How important is it to believe God? And, and when I talk about believe God, I'm not saying believe in God, right? I'm talking about believing God. And here, here's the distinction, the difference. So even now as an adult, as a, my children are adults, and, but I'm still a father, right? And uh, all of my children believe in me, right? That's easy. Dads don't believe in me. But sometimes when I'm talking to them about things, they aren't so sure that they believe me. Not that they think I'm lying to them, right? But they aren't always sure that I really got it right. And so there's a distinction, see, between believing in something or believing that something, in particular talking about the person. So we're not talking about, so this idea of believing God is not believing in God, although that's, it starts there, right? If you don't believe in God, you're not going to believe him. But believing him, what he has said. Um, in fact, it, it is crucial to the Christian life. In, in Romans chapter 1, and you don't need to turn there, you can just, just listen in here. In verse 16, it says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who, you know what the next word is? Everyone who believes for the Jew first and also for the Greek. So the, the, even being able to be saved requires believing God, okay? And then he continues, he says, for in it the righteousness of if God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just, those who are saved, shall live by faith. And so this idea, we're saved by faith and then we live by faith. Faith and believing God is at the center of everything in the Christian life. You cannot live the Christian life without believing God. You can't live it successfully, I should say, without believing God. Interesting that over in, well, I'll hang on to that for just a minute. I'll hang on to that. So when we're talking about believing God, having faith in God, believing him, having faith in feels a little passive, okay? When we're talking about believing, that's a little more engaging. But they're really from the same word in the original languages. So what do we mean when we talk about belief and faith? Well, there are two concepts that are inseparably tied to this idea of belief. And those two concepts are knowing and trusting, okay? So here's the idea. There's something that we know, some information that we have, and then we move from just knowing to, because of what we know, we now are choosing to go with that. We're, we're trusting that it is true, and we're acting upon that. Uh, you know, we do this as simply, it, it, when you go out in your car and you drive down the street, and you, you, you come to an intersection and you look both ways and, and you're making a decision, right? So you know certain things, you know what you're seeing, you know what the law is, you know what you're... And, and 
it, you, you've determined that it's clear and what do you do? Then you put your foot on the gas and go with it. All right? Um, and, and so this idea, both of these things are together, knowing and trusting. There's information pieces, and th but then there's always the trust piece. And that's what the Bible talks about when it talks about faith. When it talks about believing God, James talks about this, the idea of that faith produces something. It produces an, a work, a, an act of trust where you're going with what God has said. Uh, you know, we see this in salvation, that moment when we come to Christ. What has happened there? Well, what has happened is that we have come, become aware of certain things. We now know certain things. We have come to know that there is a holy God. He is holy. He, you know, he, he is uh, highly offended by sin. And we come to know and realize that what? We are sinners, and sinful, and we have sinned against a holy God. And therefore, we can't have a personal relationship with him. We will be condemned forever if we die in this condition. These are all things that we come to know as we hear the gospel. And so we come to know these things, and then we come to know that but God loves us and sent his son into the world to, you know, he lives a, a perfect and sinless life. And, and so he's able on the cross to die for our sins, paying the penalty for our sins. And he rises again from the dead as he foretold, validating what he did for us on the cross and that all that he has told us is true. And then we, we come to know that, hey, God wants me to place my faith in Jesus and what all this stuff that he's done. So we know all of that stuff. And I would say to you that there are lots of people who know that information who have not believed. You know, we tend to think believing and knowing are the same thing, but it's, knowing is not sufficient when it comes to faith and believing. And so when we came to know, for me, April 4th, 1975, I had been hearing the facts for a year and a half and, and listening to it. And all of a sudden, boom, one day it became very, very personal to me and I, I remember saying to God, okay, God, I get it. You know, I, I'm not saved. I need a Savior. And I believe this. And I put, my, I put my trust in you to save. I'm trusting that this is all true. I'm trusting you. I am believing you, God. And I didn't say I'm believing you, God, but that's what I was doing. And then he saved me. Okay? And, and that's good news. You could, you could be here today. Uh, you could have grown up in church. You could have been a church girl your whole life and never have crossed from that place of just knowing things to actually personally choosing and trusting. And if that's you, don't be prideful and say, I don't want to let anybody know. Right? I, I had to, when I, when I finally received Christ and made that decision, I'd been attending church for a year and a half. I had gotten baptized. I had, was teaching a sixth grade boy Sunday school class and I wasn't saved because I'd never made that from that knowing to personally trusting. And best decision I ever made. And so if that's you, and if I don't know if they're hearing us yet online, are they hearing us yet online? They are, praise the Lord. We're glad you're with us, yep. God answered our prayers, okay? Um, don't, don't worry about what anybody else is gonna think. Just say, I'm gonna believe God. God, I believe you. I choose to trust Jesus as my Savior. Make that decision and let, let people know. 
It'll change your life in so many, many good ways. Well, in Colossians chapter 2, the Apostle Paul writing to them about how to live the Christian life, in verse number 6, he says this. He says, this, and I'm paraphrasing, the same way you received Jesus as Savior, in that same way, live your Christian life. Well, how does that work? You only get saved once, right? Once and for all, it's a thing God does in our life. Well, what he's talking about is, how do we get saved? Well, we came to know certain things. We came to know truths from God and his word. And we made a personal decision to what? To trust it. Live your Christian life that way. Live your Christian life by saying, what does God say about this? What's really true? Okay, I'm going to go with that. I'm going to believe God and trust that this is true. And I'm going to do this. I'm going to do it this way or that way or whatever the word is saying. And so... How crucial is it then for Christians to believe God? You can't live the Christian life without believing God day in, day out, moment by moment. Now, when you hear that truth, does that challenge you? It challenges me. And I'm one of those people who I can um, put things in different boxes and not deal with them. So I have the ability to, to hear a truth and put it in a box and say, oh good, that's truth. And then just kind of not go with it. That's wrong, that's not good, but I can do that. But when I open up this box, like I am with this sermon, and in my study this week, and my time with God about these things, you, can't, you, all, you cannot live the Christian life without believing God. Really, moment by moment. Believing what he says and trusting it and going with it. You know, day by day, year in, year out. Moment by moment. Oh boy. That challenges me. I mean, I know this every moment. Oh, but the decision to actually believe and trust, you know, to go with it, that's another thing. I'd like to tell you I do that perfectly. I do not. Um, so what we want to do today is look at a passage of Scripture that really emphasizes this truth that it is so crucial that you believe God. And the question you need to answer is, am I going to believe him or not? You know, to believe or not to believe, that is the question. What are you going to do? So let's take our Bibles and turn to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 9. If you don't have a Bible with you, there should be one in front of the, the chairs there in front of you someplace. We're going to be on page 1163. That's where we're going to start. So in this chapter, the beginning of this chapter, Jesus has taken James and Peter and John and, and gone up onto a mountain and he's been praying and, and God has somehow this miraculous event takes place where his glory becomes very evident. It says that his, his clothing all of a sudden was glowing brighter white than any laundry on earth can make. I mean, it was just, they were overwhelmed. They could tell, this is God, he is God. And, and what's going, kind of a funny story because uh, have, what's, what's a good idea for you to do when something's happening and you don't know what to say? What's a good idea? 
Yeah, zip your lips, right? Keep it, don't, don't say anything. Well, in this passage, it says that Peter goes, uh, uh, I tell you what, we'll, we'll make, a, we'll make a, a structure here for, for Moses and for Jesus and for Elijah. And, and, and it says, he said that because he didn't know what to say. <laughs> and then in response to that, there's a voice that comes from heaven and says, this is my son, listen to him. <laughs> Like, don't listen to Peter. <laughs> listen to him. Well, I thought that was funny anyway. Uh, we get down to this story, though. Chapter uh, 9, verse 14. It says, and when he, so he's coming back down from the mountain, and when he came to the disciples, he saw a great multitude around them and scribes disputing with them. Immediately when they saw him, all the people were greatly amazed and running to him, greeted him. And he asked the scribes, what are you discussing with them? Then one of the crowd answered and said, Teacher, I brought you my son who has a mute spirit. And, and he's going to describe this on, but this is a demonic spirit. This, this young man has a demon that he's possessed with. It's preventing him from talking and other things. 18, and wherever it seizes him, it throws him down. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out, but they could not. So Jesus wasn't there. They came, the disciples were there, and the disciples, maybe they tried to cast him out. I don't know, but they weren't able to do it. He answered, Jesus answered him and said, O oh, faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Okay, so this is really almost a rebuke to his disciples, okay, because they were the ones who were demonstrating the lack of faith here to be able to cast out this demon, like the Lord had empowered them to do. And then the, the, the uh, uh, last phrase, last sentence, bring him to me. Boy, that's the best information you could ever get, right? Bring him to Jesus. You got a friend who has problems? Bring him to Jesus. Do you have problems? Come to Jesus. All right, bring him to me. Then they brought him, the, the young man, to him, Jesus. And when he, the young man, saw him, Jesus, immediately the spirit convulsed him and he fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming at the mouth. So the, the, the spirit that's in, in possessing this, this young man all of a sudden finds himself standing before the Son of God, right? And he recognized who he is and he's just, whoa, he just... Grab this boy and down they go. Verse 21, so he, Jesus, asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And often he has thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. So let's just stop right there. Can you imagine having a, a child that, that was experiencing this and, and it seemed clear to you that it was demonic but you didn't know what to do about it and it's, it just takes him all of a sudden, throws him into the water, and he can't swim. What he, he could kill the kid, right? Same thing, you throw him in the fire, you're, you're grabbing him out, and, and this is nonstop, on and on it goes. And, and so then at the end of verse 22, he says, says to Jesus, but if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Very understandable what he's saying, but is, do you see anything in there where this man doesn't understand fully? He says what? But if you can do anything. Who's he talking to? 
the Lord of the universe. Yeah, he's there in human form and he's limiting the use of his power to what his father shows him to do. But if you can do anything, and Jesus responds back in this sense, Jesus said to him, if you can believe. It's, it's not whether I can do anything. The question is if you can believe. If you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. All right? Uh, that's a pretty big statement, isn't it? So what's he talking about? All things are possible to him who believes. And we're going to come back in the passage momentarily here. This is not what is sometimes taught. If you go on, on YouTube and listen to some things, or you go on TV and watch certain shows, now you're going to hear some preachers that tell you this means that God will do whatever you ask if you believe. Well, if you want to get real technical, they might be right, but that isn't what they mean. It isn't talking about, he says, all things are possible to who? To the one who believes, but who are they first possible to? Who are all these things possible to? It's not a trick question. I know sometimes I ask that. All things are possible to God, aren't they? All right? And, and God always does what's best. God always does what's right. God never does anything sinful. God never does anything that tempts us to sin. God is he's always good and righteous and holy and loving in all that he does. And so when he says all things are possible, he's talking about those things that God can do. And he says, if you will believe, all of that that's possible gets connected to you. And, and so here, here's what I want you to see here in this passage, a big overarching principle, and that's that our belief connects us to God's ability. Now I say connect, it doesn't, doesn't mean we become in control of God's ability, but it connects us with it. And so I think the, very, the other statement to hear, the, the reality is this guy's looking at something that seems impossible, and Jesus is telling him, if you can believe, let me tell you, it is possible, but you gotta get connected to the one who it's possible for, and that's God, me, God. Um, it isn't like, you know, hey, this, this is cool. God, I'm going to believe that you, when, when I go out here today, my, 19, my 2006 old car is going to be a 2021 yellow Corvette. Is that possible? Could God do that? Yeah. But he isn't tell, that isn't what he's telling me, Right? He might be telling me that, hey, your car has problems, but you need to go here today and do this because this is what I want you to go and do, and I'll get you there. You believe me, you go, I'll get you there. I mean, I'm kind of getting ahead of myself some here, but our belief connects us to God's ability. Let's keep reading. So he's just given the man a solution, a way for this problem to be addressed. In verse 24, it says, Immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Which is it? It's both, isn't it? So here it is. All of a sudden, this man is seeing. He's, he's learned something. He's come to know something that, you know, 
there is a solution to this problem. I need to believe. I need to believe that. I need to believe God. Um, I do believe. And then it all floods in. Just like I was telling you earlier, when I'm thinking about my life as I'm working on this sermon, and I say, I know, I, I know to believe, and I do believe, but you know what? I don't always believe. I always know, but I don't always believe. I don't always trust and, and exercise that faith. And so this man is realizing that his faith is defective. His faith is imperfect. Does that surprise us that our faith might be imperfect? <laughs> Isn't pretty much everything else in your life imperfect? Right? Our faith is imperfect. But it can be real, but not perfect. And so this man cries out before God with tears because he's feeling the, the, all the anguish and the emotions and the fears and maybe the hope from all these years. I can believe. I do believe. Oh no, sometimes I don't. So very honest, very open with the Lord. Verse 25, when Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to a deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. Then the spirit cried out, convulsed him greatly, and came out of him. Let's just stop there for a moment. What kind of faith did this man have? Defective faith, imperfect faith, incomplete faith. Did he believe? Did he believe? He did, but not perfectly. He believed. And so in response to his less than perfect faith, Jesus does the all things are possible. Isn't that encouraging? You don't have to have it perfect. You gotta keep leaning into the Lord. You gotta keep wrestling with it, making that decision to trust. You gotta and see here's here's why this, this matters. And I have this written down someplace. I don't even know where I'm supposed to say it, but but I'll just say it here. The reason this is true is first of all, God is gracious and merciful to us, right? But the other thing is this. You know, sometimes on the news, there'll be some great tragedy, right? You'll see it on the news and somebody's talking and they'll say, yes, it, my faith is what got me through this. My faith, my belief. And I want to say to you that that is a wrong view of things. Now, some of these people may be, have a right view and they just haven't thought out how to express it right, okay? I'm not trying to be critical of them, but I want you to understand, it isn't your faith. It isn't your belief. This man's belief did not free the boy. Jesus freed the boy. His belief or his faith connected him with God and what God could do. And so if it depended on, if it's my belief that's going to make something happen, my belief defective. My belief is imperfect, see? And that would be me and my works. And ooh, when I was little, and I you know, didn't know the Lord yet, but I was in Sunday school and I learned about faith and who knows one of these verses, maybe this one, some other thing. And I remember coming to the conclusion that if I believed enough, strong enough, then 
something would happen. And I remember saying, okay, I believe that I am going to get a new bicycle. I was probably five, six years old, seven years old, I don't remember. I believe. And then I said, to, how do, wait, how do I know if I believe enough? Okay, I believe. <laughs> I started to sound like one of those preachers on the TV. I believe. And I didn't get a bicycle. But do you see what I'm trying to say? We can fall prey to that in our own lives, not in that overt way, but of thinking that, oh boy, it's about me, it's about whether I believe enough, and it's that, but, but. no, how about this? Whatever the issues are, whatever it is your real needs are, and you say, oh God, I believe. Oh, but help my unbelief. I don't have this perfect. This is humility, isn't it? God gives grace to the humble. He resists the proud. I can handle this. I can believe it. No. Doesn't work that way. What a, what a wonderfully gracious, loving, merciful God that we serve. When, okay, um, verse 26. So he's cast out the spirit. In the middle of the verse, it says, and he became as one dead, so that many said, he is dead. He looks dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up and he arose. He wasn't dead. And when he had come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? And so he said to them, this kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. He said, this is a hard case, okay? And um, that's a whole other subject which we're not going to talk about today. But I want you to see that our belief connects us to God's ability. And so there are three things that we need to believe that we can see from this passage. And the first one is this. You need to believe that you need to God, God to work in and through your, it says our lives, should say your life. Um, you need to believe it. You need God. Once again, do you know that? Do you know that you need God? Do you know it? Do you always believe it? I know that I need God, but does that always then include I'm, okay, I'm stepping out here and I'm trusting God. It doesn't always, does it? No, we stay over here and I know and then I worry and then I fret and then I plan and then I try to figure out and then I, I do this. How about let's instead, let's believe God and then let's figure out that stuff. Let's believe what God says about it. Um, we desperately need him. Like we can't save ourselves. We can't live the Christian life in our own strength. We can't even, we can't even believe perfectly in our own strength, right? We need him to help us with that. We need God to work. You think about this. Uh, a husband who's looking at his marriage and his household and he's overwhelmed because he, he, there's significant problems there and he doesn't know what to do and he can't, how in the world can I solve these things and everything in him that comes natural to him seems to make it worse. I mean, he needs God, right? He, he recognizes, I need you, God, to work. A young mother with, you know, who has multiple littles in her house and she is exhausted. She's trying to, she wants to train them up to know the Lord, but she's doing good just to keep their diapers changed and their messes picked up. And she wants to be in the word and she's tired and how, she needs God, doesn't she? She needs God. Um, 
What about an employee who's in a work situation who it's just, it's ugly, right? It's a bad place. It's, it's not good people. It's, it's, it's wearing you down and beating you up and you don't know what to do. Percy, he needs God. She needs God. How about a single mom, right? Who's trying to fill the role of mom and dad in that household. And of course, she can't ever fully fulfill dad's role, right? And so she's dealing with that struggle. And sometimes there might be multiple littles on top of it. She needs God. How about a pastor who is, you know, trying to pass his church and some pandemic has come along and, and change you can't even meet? And how are we going to do this? And what do we do about the mission? And how do we handle it? And he needs God, doesn't he? And so we need to come to that place where, God, I need you to work in my life. I am needy. Now, would you like to have other people describe you as, well, yeah, he's kind of needy. <laughs> we, don't, we see that's kind of a negative, don't we? We tend to avoid needy people. But we need to say to God, I am needy. I am needy. This is their situation, right? Could this father fix the problem? Could his Jesus' disciples fix the problem? None of them could fix the problem. They needed Jesus. They needed God, okay? And so we need to recognize that and acknowledge that. Okay, the second thing we need to do is this. We need to believe that God can do whatever needs to be done so you can do his will. And this is what we talked about. All things are possible. It doesn't mean anything that you think you want. No, it's, it's, it's whatever needs to happen for you to do what God wants you to do. Uh, let's go ahead and look at the verse here. Hebrews eleven six. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. A rewarder of those who diligently seek him means we need to acknowledge that he's worth knowing, he's worth seeking, he's worth believing, okay? But I want you to see that last phrase, those who diligently seek him. Because we are talking about God's will here. We're not talking about whatever other whim you might have. And in order to have faith that pleases God, your life needs to be about diligently seeking him. Your life needs to be about diligently seeking to know his will so you can do it. Your life needs to be about diligently following him and his lead in your life. That's part of this faith that pleases God, that it's about believing God. It goes back a couple weeks ago, you remember when we talked about what it meant to be a disciple of Christ, that you, you love God more than anything else in your life and you forsake everything else in life to follow him, right? When, when that's the way you're living, not perfectly, right? I'm following God, oh, help me follow you. I'm forsaking all, oh, help me to keep it forsaken. So, but we're seeking to do this. What I want you to know is this, that when you are following the Lord, when you are in his word and his word says you need to do this in your life and you go, wow, that looks like in my life then I need to do this, I, I need to do that. But there are things in the way, things that are preventing me. I want you to know that God will move heaven and earth to enable you to do what he wants you to do. 
Whether it's a small thing that nobody else knows about or whether it's a huge life change that you need to make that everybody's going to see and know. It doesn't matter. God will do whatever needs to happen. And do you believe it? See, you've got to believe it. Because what did Jesus say? It's not a question if I can do this. The question is, do you believe? Because if you believe, it connects you to me and all these things that are possible. You want to serve me with your life? Oh, let's do it. Believe me. And believing, remember, means knowing and then doing what? Taking steps of trust. Going with it. All right. And then the third thing that, you, that we need to believe is this. That God will help you believe. That's good news, right? You need to believe it. Because sometimes we, we get stuck with where we're at and what we're like. And somehow we think that what we're like, and that's based on our repeated failures, you know, our, our struggles, things that are hard. Oh, and we think that that is the limiting factor. Well, it is only a limiting factor if I don't choose instead to believe what God says. Choosing to believe what he says. Believe that God will help you believe. And once again, what did Jesus do in response to this man who needed help to believe? Right? I believe help my unbelief. What did Jesus do? He worked. He did what needed to be done. God will help us. So how will God help you to believe? Well, first thing he will do is he will stir your faith with his word. Okay, with his, his word. He's going to, to stir your faith. Romans chapter 10, verse 17 says, so then faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. And in the context is there of the gospel. But I think this principle applies beyond that, that the word of God stirs our faith. And so here's the deal. If you want to move from knowing to trusting in your life so that you are now believing those two things together, you are believing you know, some particular thing, whatever, uh, and you want to live where you're connected with the God who all things are possible to. And if you want to live the Christian life that is a life of faith from beginning to end, from faith to, if you want to do that, you must be in the word of God. If you are not in the word of God, and I don't mean some rule you got to read this much of it or you got to spend this with this time. No, but if you are not in the word of God where you are taking it in and, and chewing on it and talking with God about it and you're learning and you're growing, you will, if you aren't doing that, you cannot expect to live a life of faith. You cannot expect to be believing God because to believe or not to believe, if you aren't in the word, your answer is going to be, well, I, I don't really believe. So you gotta be in the Word. Now, how many times have you heard me tell you that you need to read your Bibles? And that can sound like, oh, I learned that in Sunday school. I'm supposed to read the Bible. Somehow or other, can you forget that? <laughs> and instead, open up the Bible and interact with God? Well, I don't understand what I'm reading. Lord, I understand some of this help, what I don't understand. There you go, right? And you keep going, you keep growing. And God will stir you to believe him. Because the word of God is alive and it's powerful. 
And it gets deep down inside of you and stirs things up to where you can believe him. You can believe him. All right. So he will stir your faith with his word. Or excuse me. Yes, stir up your faith. Second, he will stretch your faith as you serve him. So you maybe take a baby step. You come to believe, wow, I need to serve God in some way. And, and I see this, this opportunity. Maybe it's a, an official opportunity that the church has. Or maybe it's just me and this person. Or, or me and doing something that people don't even know about. But it doesn't matter. It's about serving. And so I know I could do this. So I'm going to trust God. I'm going to step out and I'm going to begin serving. And what you're going to find is that God will use that to grow you and stretch your faith. Look at this passage in Luke chapter 22. Jesus is talking to the disciples. He's getting ready to send them out again. And he says this. He said to them, when I sent you without money, bag, knapsack, and sandals, did you lack anything? And they said, what? Nope, nothing. Didn't lack anything. All right, so can I provide for you? Can I do what you need? He's asking, what would be the answer? Yes, Lord, you've shown that you can do that. Now, what's interesting is he, he, he goes on now and he says this. Then he said, but now, he who has a money bag, let him take it. And likewise, a knapsack. And he who has no sword, let him sell his garment and buy one. What's the deal? Well, he says, do it because you're going to need this stuff. You've got it, take it, use it. But I want you to know, I want, because I've already taught you, you never, never, never think that those resources are your strength. That you need this, oh, these, I gotta have this, and you depend on something other than me. No, 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 don't you remember? When you had nothing, I provided it all. Now I'm saying, take it with you, but don't ever get mixed up about it, about what this is about. You trust me. But God is stretching the faith because he sent them out. He taught them. And then he sends them out again to a bigger thing that they're going to be doing. So serve God. Find that place, you know, that you see. I can see, I think, that God is wanting me to do this. God, I don't have a clue what you want me to do, but I do want to serve you. Show me. And then all of a sudden there's something, right? And then you trust. You step out and you do it. He will grow your faith. He'll stretch your faith. And you'll be able to believe God when you need to believe God. And then the third thing that, that uh, way he's going to help you is he will identify and help you remove obstacles that make it hard for you to believe. Mm, that could almost be a whole sermon in itself. Because the idea is he'll help you with things you don't understand. Because you do have to know certain things too. Right? You have to know that, that God is good and that he never seeks to harm you so you can trust and act on that but so he's going to address your misunderstandings and the reason I say is because the second thing is maybe you have past experiences in life where the people you look to in life to who should care for you and love you your parents they didn't they didn't protect you they did things that hurt you Right, and so now here you are trying to trust God and you're struggling with this. Well, God can show you that and help you to wrestle through that with him and to come. I know the truth about God now. I'm, taking, I'm going to believe him. I'm taking this small step. I'm trusting him. I'm going to do it. So you're understanding your past experiences. And the third thing he's going to challenge you about is maybe something that you love that if you really believe God, you're either going to have to change or let go of 
right? This goes back to the discipleship thing, right? Forsake it all, he'll show you. And that can get in the way as well. But he's going to help you. He's going to work. If you say, God, I believe, help my unbelief, he's going to go to work on your life in these things. So these three things today that you need to believe. Believe that you need God to work in and through your life. Believe that God is able to do whatever needs to be done so you can do his will. Believe that God will help you believe. He's going to do this in his word as you serve and by removing obstacles to it. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Okay, because that's the question, isn't it? You're going to believe or not believe? That's the question you've got to answer right now with this sermon and in your life as you go forward. Day by day, moment by moment, am I going to believe God? Yes, I believe. Oh, God, help my unbelief. And that's where you need to live. Let's just bow our heads for a little bit here today. So why don't you think about your life. Try to think of some place where maybe you know that, yeah, I don't know if I'm really believing like I ought to here. I think if I, in fact, answer this question for yourself. When you look at your life and you think the way it's like, you said, what if I really believe God? What would I do differently? What would be different if I really believe God here? Why don't you take that up with God? Say, God, I want, to, I want to grow here. I want you to make a change here. I want to believe you in this way. Father, thank you that you work in our lives. Thank you for challenging us about our faith. Not because you need us to believe, but because we need to, Father. Thank you that you don't let us Just stay complacent that you stir us up. You let things happen in life to stir us up and grow us. Father, I pray that we would be honest, open about our lives with ourselves and certainly before you. And you would challenge us about those places, Lord, where we need to grow in faith, where we need to make the choice to believe. Help us to know what we need to know. And in those areas where we're weak and struggle, please help us with that. Because we want to and are choosing to believe you. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, God bless you. Go believe God, huh? Ask him to help you when you're struggling with it.